Welcome to Two Guys in a Bible, a conversation on theology, culture, and the Word of God. My name is Eric Leupold, and I'm joined, as always, with my brother in the Lord, uh, Dylan Keniston. Good morning. Dylan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, brother. How are you doing, man? Doing great. Doing great. Getting close to Christmas as we're recording it, so <laughs> looking forward to opening some presents and yeah. eating some good food. Oh, yeah. And, of course, remembering Christ. <laughs> and, well, and, and praise the Lord for, for food that perishes. We just had Greg was preaching a sermon on, on food that perishes versus Christ who always satisfies and always uh, fills us. And it's funny, like, you know, we're we're grateful for the for the cookies. We're grateful for the time with, uh, you know, with loved ones. We're grateful for the gifts. But at the end of the day, we want to put the focus where it belongs, right on right on Christ. And um, yeah, so we're, we're thrilled about that. Uh, yeah. In our family, we're gearing up to actually travel uh, not too long, not too far, but not too long after our uh, we record today. We'll be heading over to visit um, my in-laws, yep. and then from there we'll be visiting my mom and stepdad. So it'll always be great. It's always, it's always great to it see. It is family, lots you know? of family though. Always, yeah. always lots of trips, traveling, and it's kind of weary, but it's it's a good weariness though. But uh, today, uh, you know, we're joined by a, a, a guest, uh, an author uh, by the name name of uh, David Smith. Uh, David Smith is a former suburban Chicago public school superintendent. He is an interdisciplinary social science and social policy PhD from Northwestern University and has taught at Trinity University and Roosevelt University in the Chicago area. David has participated in local church youth and men's group and county jail ministries. He and his wife Sue Ann live in suburban Chicago near their adult children and granddaughters. David Smith is a conference speaker for Men's Ministry, Business Prayer Breakfast, and other faith-based events. His presentations are biblically based and focus upon practical issues we must often deal with in our daily lives. Popular topics include Who's Got Your Back, These Are the Good Old Days, Linebacker Leadership, Men Without Friends, and Finishing Well in the Fourth Quarter. And so today I would like to invite and welcome uh, Brother David here on the show today. David, uh, welcome. Uh, How are you doing? Well, I'm doing well. Thank you. I appreciate uh, being with you and being with your listeners and uh, look forward to uh, the time together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was it was neat. I mean, we, we love uh, uh, reaching out to people and, 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 and working with other Christians who are authors and writers and speakers, because our goal here on this podcast is not only to bless our local church, but anyone who might be listening and other Christians and whatnot. And... Um, you know, learning about uh, the book that uh, that you just uh, wrote, uh, "Who's Got Your Back?" regarding uh, male friendship, I found to be very interesting. And you know, it's kind of it's it's kind of neat how it lines up with our season today. You know, we just talked about spending time with friends and family during the holiday season, and for some some people, it's a very lonely season. Whether it's they they've lost loved ones or they've had some tragedy in their life or whatnot, and I, I just know that having those good friendships, like I enjoy uh, looking forward to those holidays and those times where I get to see, you know, friends and family that uh, maybe I don't get to see too often. And so uh, we're, again, I'm just really glad to have you on today, David, to talk about your book. And, you know, as uh, the podcast, Two Guys in the Bible, I mean, Dylan and I are pretty good friends, but we do know that... Um, Friendship, especially uh, male friendship amongst Christians, uh, sometimes uh, is a bit lacking or, or perhaps uh, not focused upon very much in our culture today. So uh, my first question, therefore, is, you know, can you give us a little bit of your um, ex- experience with working with the issue of friendship? Like what, 
how, how did you begin studying that or what kind of moved you, led you to really want to focus in on, on the, that topic? Yeah, it's, and it, it's a, it, it is a significant topic in a way. It, uh, it, it seems to me that uh, it's a great indicator uh, about our emotional and spiritual health is how well we're connected to other people. And that certainly includes uh, friendship. But uh, really directly to your, to your good question, I, uh, several years ago, uh, my wife and I, my family, in fact, we were moving from uh, one city to another. And uh, we had a garage sale, and uh, I noticed that my wife had all these wonderful relationship gatherings with uh, individual ladies and groups of, of women in our neighborhood, uh, tearful goodbyes, uh, hugs, uh, promises to stay in touch, the whole, the whole deal, and all of which, you know, those, those relationships were sustained over time. But I had more perfunctory, hey, man, see you around, and uh, I, it just was, it was shallow. There's no, nothing there. And I wondered, was it just me or was it all guys? And, uh, so I think that started the, uh, the, the journey. It was more of, it wasn't a, a scholarly thing, particularly, although I've had the opportunity to, to, to study the, the scripture closely and study the social science stuff that's out there and all, but it was really just a beginning thing, uh, with me. And I, I came away really feeling that, that men, including Christian men, and that's where the surprise was, that we're, we're more likely to form alliances than we are than we are friendships. And I, I think we buy into uh, a, a toxic masculinity that's part of our culture that really presents uh, roadblocks and keeps us from uh, f- forming anything resembling meaningful relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, I, I like what you said about um, uh, that the concept of, of alliances. I mean, an alliance, it's like, it's, it's very temporary. It's really all about, you know, in the moment, I kind of need your help or I need your assistance. And yeah, we'll work together to form this alliance to accomplish this mm-hmm. particular task. But really, once the, you know, from a military perspective, like once the threat is gone or once the objective is completed or the mission is over, we can just, you know, boom, we're separate. We're done here. You know, have a good life. You know, you have a good life too. It's kind of like an out of sight, out of mind experience, and and I I struggle with that as well uh, in my own life because I had really close friends growing up with uh, in high school, middle school. Uh, we worked together in our first jobs, um, and then we go off to college, and it's just there's you know no more touching base. There's really uh, no communication that goes on um, except for you know maybe when we come back to you know, visit family in the hometown. Yeah. We'll mm-hmm. see each other, um, but yeah, it just—it's yeah. just, just very empty there. It's interesting the way you share that because it's—if we have a task or a responsibility, or you use a military illustration, if mm-hmm. we have something to do together, then oftentimes we can we can put it together to some degree. I, I called a colleague of mine that I've worked with for several years the other day, and I said, uh, Jerry, how how about lunch? And his response was, sure, what's up? And there, it's like, and it's okay, and we have a good relationship. But it, it's like they're always with men, has to be an agenda of some sort. Where, where women, they, they're more holistic. They, 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 they embrace the whole person. I asked, I asked Sue Ann, my wife once, you know, for a definition of friendship, you know, where I'd be, I'd be more likely to try to give some paragraph narrative response. And she thought for a minute that her response was simply Lois. 
And, you know, Lois is a dear friend uh, among many. And uh, it, she just reflected on this holistic, wonderful relationship that she has with this one lady. And that, that was her response to me. I thought that was pretty cool. Hmm. That's neat. Dylan, uh, do you want to get your thought in there? Well, yeah, no, I was, so I was wondering, like, I mean, I hear what you're describing. And what's interesting about it is, like, I see much of the same phenomena going on, like, just, you know, in, in several different churches that we visited, you know, sometimes including in Hilltown, that, you know, it tends to be a little more superficial with the relationships between men. I'm wondering... Why do you think that is, right? So, like, what maybe what are the problems that you see that feed into this mentality about male friendship that, you know, as you say, men kind of assume there's there's always an agenda, right? There's If, if you want to get together, you want to grab a bite, there's a reason, there's something going on, maybe you want something. Mm -hmm. um, what's what's behind that? Why does that come about? You know, the, it's this is a topic we could spend uh, our whole time on, I, I think, all by itself. But it, it, to me, it's reduced uh, to a, maybe a handful, two or three things in particular. I, I think our, in our culture, we're, we have barriers that keep us from connecting. You know, for example, we, we think it's harmful to to show emotions. We keep we have more of a John Wayne mentality. We we can uh, we, we can do it alone. Uh, we. Uh, we, we don't show affection or gentleness. We don't show any needs. We don't show anything that resembles uh, uh, the, the need to be, to be together. We, we feel very strongly, I think, in our culture that, that men do, that it's, uh, it, it, they're, they're, there's always the need to be independent and strong. Uh, you know, with the mobility we have in our culture, people move a lot. I've moved several times. You know, you, you believe in privacy. Uh, you believe in independence. Uh, we believe that uh, we value who we are almost by our time urgency. You know, if I have a, if I don't have much time for you, maybe that means that, I, that I'm important in some way, like a type A personality. I, you know, I, I, I like the, uh, the old classic film. We like uh, classic films of this time, the holiday time of the year. There was a film out with Gary Cooper was the actor, and he was playing a, a, a Western sheriff uh, in, a, in an old town. And the film was High Noon, and he couldn't count on any men. As the enemy, the bad guys came to town, he would cower behind saloon doors, and he had the, the, the bad guy, the, the, uh, as the bad guys came to town, all the men in town just were just disappeared. And so uh, Gary Cooper had to do it all by himself. And we have a little bit of that thinking, I think, in our culture today, including in the church, that I can do this alone, and I will do this alone. And, and maybe another, another thing, I think, in some ways, is we feel that material things are more important than relationships. We spend an awful lot of our energy on, on emphasizing stuff. And I, I saw a cartoon once I, that the, you, you, never, you don't see a U-Haul behind a hearse. And, you know, you're not going to take it with you. So what's the deal? And how, you know, how, how, do, we, uh, how do we spend our day? And how much time uh, do we spend uh, doing and producing as opposed to perhaps being in some way and connecting, connecting to other people? Hmm. You know, there's a um, related to the same question. Uh, the, the uh, oh, what's her, uh, the journalist uh, Gail King, I think her name was. She said, you know, there were, recently there was uh, the running of the bulls in Spain, I trusted it. Uh, and, and she found it very odd that all the participants, and this was this was a bad experience this fall, I guess. A number of number of people, including a number of Americans, were injured. Uh, 
Hmm. And she said, isn't it odd that they're all men? How come women don't do that? Yeah, and the response was, well, maybe the, the, maybe the women are smarter and they got enough sense to stay off the street. <laughs> but guys don't, don't, don't do that. We, may, we, we have this macho mentality that keeps us maybe running with the bulls instead of forming close relationships. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do kind of wonder. I mean, I know that I, I, I don't know if I shared this with you earlier, David, but I'm, I'm in the military and, you know, there's that there's that sense of camaraderie and and, you know, we're, we're fighting the enemy. Uh, we're working together. And I, I do recognize the importance of of uh, of those deep friendships, which um, may have, they, they probably were formed more deeply let's say during the you know in the trenches of world war one and world war two when you know the bullets are whizzing by and all you have is the guy in the foxhole next to you and you guys might die together or maybe you'll take a bullet for him to save his life or whatnot and it's a little bit different now you know a lot of them a lot of them you know in, in the military our our work is in an office like environment um but i mean it does seem like, yeah, I, I think that maybe there's a way, I wonder if there's a way that you can still kind of like that World War Two, World War One, or, you know, that uh, foxhole mentality where, you know, men can still enter into the danger, if you will, not trying to be macho man, but like recognizing that when the bad guys are coming, you know, when the danger ar- approaches, you know, we want to protect the women and the children. So the men should go towards the fire. The men should, the firemen go towards the fire. The policemen go towards the criminals. The soldiers go towards the threat. But they can still do that. And actually, it makes them more effective if they have a close bond with each other. Yeah. I, know, I, I kind of well, wonder if that's fair. That the illustration that you're giving, you know, with, with with the military, you know, by the way, there's some, if I recall, uh, there's some research related to that where in the, on the Allies side during World War II, they dropped uh, all kinds of positive propaganda out of planes and into foxholes and all, which was t- totally ignored because your only con- concern was with your buddy, whoever mm-hmm. your buddy was. And, uh, you know, as long, again, as long as you have some task to perform, uh, that mm-hmm. that's that, then the then the relationship tends uh, tends to work uh, sometimes unless mm-hmm. you're in serious competition with uh, uh, that uh, that mm-hmm. co- that other person. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I sometimes get asked, well, you know, how how can we form so many friendships? You know, do we have the time for that? Mm-hmm. And I, I feel that there are different. We, we, the, the, these words are vague in some ways. And I, in 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 the book, who's got your back? I try to explain that there are acquaintances, which are most of the relationships that we have. And then that you're talking about the foxhole, you know, that's the buddies, that's the mm-hmm. companions, but there's this other whole area mm-hmm. where you have only a handful, but you, you need to have somebody, you can't do life alone that we call, we call friends. And, uh, you know, nobody has the time or the emotional energy to befriend everybody who comes <laughs> into your life, but there needs to be some place somewhere uh, I, I was speaking at a, a, a church a couple of weeks ago, and the pastor the pastor told me their goal, every, anybody that comes in brand new, they want them not to leave without having some meaningful connection with at least one person on that very first day. I thought thought that was pretty cool. I think a lot of churches try, try to do that, but you know, there are books out there, you know, bowling alone. And there's a mentality with, in our, in our culture today, many people are living alone. They're living in singletons yeah. and, you know, men especially don't do alone very well. We don't do, even though we're a weekend, if our wife's uh, 
or if you're really young, your mother or your niece or your your aunt or your sister or whoever, when they're out of town, we tend to eat more, drink more, do stupid things. Uh, guys don't uh, handle uh, time alone very well. We need that moderating uh, element of women in our life. In in the book, Who's Got Your Back? I've got you know, even though it's written for men, it's written for women too. And I've got a chapter or two in there for for uh, the ladies in your life uh, who helped me help me by talking. Yeah, I, 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 if I can share with you, I talked to uh, just dozens and dozens of uh, strangers and in interviews at. Uh, uh, in, I did most of it in Indianapolis, and uh, the the ladies would tell me, you know. The, the, the men in my life need to have friends because they're not performing well. Hmm. And I, I, I think that I hope that everybody would want to read Who's Got Your Back. But if you just spend time with the important females in your life, it's amazing how much you'd learn and, and prosper from. Yeah. Yeah. Dylan, some thoughts there? Well, I was just saying, you know, Facebook tells me I've got a couple hundred friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's tongue in cheek, right? But like you, you get the point. Like we, I feel like part of it is in our generation especially, you know, a lot of what you were saying earlier, Eric, and, and your response, David, was just there's a lot of wisdom there, right? A lot of how we think about camaraderie or companionship is among men is like it's task oriented or it's task focused or maybe threat. There's a common threat. There's a shared task. You know, when you were talking about the foxholes, one thing that was coming to mind was um, an analogous point, not exactly the same thing, but similar is that um, trauma is binding. Right. So when people go through something, uh, in, you know, powerful together, mm -hmm. it tends to be a very binding force. Now, the military has kind of an analogous point where you know that your brother in arms right next to you could, you know, you might take a bullet for this dude. Yeah. You know, even even if you don't know him all that well, there's there's something that's that's binding going on in there. And I, I think that it sounds like maybe there's something analogous when it comes to a, a task or when there comes to like a common threat. Like, what's the agenda? We were talking about that earlier. But. You know, none of that withstanding doesn't change the fact that, you know, here we are in our modern era and there there hasn't been, you know, at least in our American context, a kind of, um, you know, trench warfare of the sort you might watch in a Saving Private yeah. Ryan for yeah. some time. You know, so that kind of leaves us in this, um, I, I maybe like a technological no man's land where it's like, you know, where where do we have these kind of deep, meaningful relationships? Well, ideally, they would surface in the church. Um, but in practice, you know, there's a lot of times you just have more, you know, Facebook friends or you've got Twitter followers or you've got, you know, Instagram followers. And that's just not it's not the same. Right. Why? Why do you think that is, Dave? Like what role uh, what role does technology play in all of this? Mm, like, and, you know, mm. is that really is that really, you know, friendship? You know, why do we use that word to describe those same connections? You know, what's the power there? You know, I was at a Panera the other day, and uh, it was a mixed group. I think there are uh, uh, college kids home uh, on, vac on vacation from Christmas break, and there had to be close to a dozen of them together. I don't think there was anybody having any contact, any eye contact or verbal expression with anybody in a group. They're all on their devices. And uh, <laughs> maybe maybe uh, maybe our devices are uh, changing the way we live. I think they do. I mean, it, it, uh, you know, uh, you can't delegate leadership anymore because you never get away from your, your, your phone. You're always available. You can't, you know, it, it affects the way we do life, I suppose, in some ways. Mm -hmm. But we, 
I did, we're back to that that toxic masculinity to some to some degree, and I I don't think it's feminine behavior and masculine behavior. I think it's positive behavior and negative behavior, and we mm. can blur a little bit the, the the genders. I don't like to get too rigid with the you know guys being bad and women being good. I I think it's more about behavior. But I like that in some ways look at look at scripture and look at. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there are biblical illustrations that you can go that we're all familiar with, you know, for example, the fruits of the spirit and Galatians and, and uh, how, how we're dependent, not independent, like we, like we buy into. But you can look at, at the life of Jesus or look at the Beatitudes or, you know, the, uh, Jesus knew people's name. You know, how often are we aggressive listeners, you know, and, and, and pay attention when somebody says something. Uh, you know, we, we always te- say we're we, bad with names, right? We always say we're bad with that? names. We always say we're bad with names. You know, you get that yeah, a lot. Yeah, sure. Repeat, repeat back their name. But we don't listen very well. You yeah. know, we teach uh, reading, writing, and speaking. But there's a fourth communication skill. It's it's listening, and we just don't do a lot uh, with that. But you know, mm. when when uh, when Jesus met people, uh, he, he conveyed that he wanted to meet you and he wanted to talk to you. Mm. Uh, he there, he was willing to ask for help. You know, men don't want to ask for help in our, our culture. Um, if if uh, when, when there was there was illustrations near the end of his of his uh, earthly life uh, when uh, he was afraid, he was willing to demonstrate that fear. We we, we don't show fear. He was willing to uh, ask, "Would you stay with me?" He, he was willing to ask for help. Uh, he was willing to ask for accommodations. We, we don't like that. We're, we're stingy receivers, you know, mm-hmm. as, as men. We're, you know, we often think it's better to give than to receive, and that's true. But I think sometimes we demonstrate such an independence that we don't need anything. So we don't ask for anything. And so mm-hmm. that prevents other people from, from sh- sharing with us in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think, it, it, you know, the, it, a lot, it's just that it's toxic, and we've got to break out of this. I, I, I hope I've got several chapters in Who's Got Your Back on just practical ways that, uh, that I've picked up along the way. Because it's not me. I, I struggle with this just like probably like you two guys do and, and maybe some people who are listening to it. And, uh, mm-hmm. But we, we can get out of this. We can do life better. And, you know, you know no one plans to lead a mediocre life or, or a friendless <laughs> life. It just happens. And so we got to work at this. We got to pay attention. We've got to enter into the lives of, of other people along the way. I like to ask when I you know, when I meet with guys in, in in church groups and you know prayer breakfast and whatever. I like to say, you know, what, what is success to you? How do you define uh, success? And it's interesting how we we so much of it's material, so much of it's acquisition. Uh, and and it's not so much relationships, and it's not so much family, and it's not so much uh, uh, people who are who are close to us. I've got a uh, an activity where uh, I'll, I'll share with folks about you know you know hundreds of people, you've met hundreds of people along the way, who are just a handful, the four or five or a half a dozen who have left a great influence upon your life. Who are they? And then, you know, identify that. You don't have to share that with anybody in particular, but, you know, what, what, you know, they may be teachers, they may be uh, uh, neighbors down the road, maybe the mailman, maybe some people at church, maybe your pastor, whoever it is. But what are the traits that that very precious few people who are so significant to you, 
what are the traits that they hold in common, even though their ages may be different, their faith, their education, their, act, their wealth, whatever it is, where they live, uh, may be very, very different. But, but what are the traits that you see that they, they hold in common? And that's a little exercise we go through. And I, I report about that in Who's Got Your Back and, and share what, what all those findings are. And frequently those respondents are surprised on how similar, this, notwithstanding how different the people are that, that are so important to them, but how the, the traits are so similar. And that's kind of, that's kind of cool, I mm-hmm. think. And, and, and many of these traits are not what you find in masculinity in our culture, and they are the kind of traits that we've been talking about that you find in Scripture. Yeah, I was going to ask, because uh, you had mentioned uh, those traits and those kind of uh, shared qualities or shared shared thoughts. I know I've, I've spoken to co-workers about marriage, and, and Dylan, Dylan, you and I have spoken about community together. And so, for instance, you know, when I talk to guys about marriage, I say, well, listen, there's always going to be there's always like the marriage is grounded in something, right? There's always a central uniting aspect. I mean, maybe it's based on, you know, good looks or maybe it's based on money or whatever. Mm. And if that if that goes away, if that item goes away, everything spirals out of control. And it's kind of like if Christ is the center of your marriage, then as you and your spouse get closer to Christ, you're getting closer to each other. It's kind of like that center of the solar system. And then when you and I, Dylan, talked about community, like you had mentioned that you were talking to a a lady who was doing your hair, and the conversation just kind of fizzled because there was very little that you had in common. Like you can talk about Netflix shows. You right. can talk this is about, all about Netflix. It's all about Netflix. Once, once there was no more Netflix shows to touch on, then it just kind of like died down. <laughs> exactly. It's kind of like. Which is sad, right? It like, is sad because a lot me. of my friendships growing up, I mean, I, a lot of my friends were not a Christian. I didn't become a Christian until I was 17. And a lot of the, a lot of the discussions are centered around very surface level things you know it could be sports it could be dating it could be video games it could be you know money later on or school but at some point the conversation kind of fizzles and it just it doesn't it just ends there because there's nothing really deeper or more fundamental like let's say Christ and, I, and so um, so where does that play into i mean does that play into effect as far as how we can build good relationships it needs to be really mm-hmm. good friendships really in Christ thoughts on that david Yes, oh my. You know, can I say that it really is a gift to have a close friend. And I don't know if we we have that in our heads, that uh, friendship is so precious and so important, uh, not just for us giving to them, but for them giving to us. It's a gift. A, a, a friend is, a friend, somebody who truly knows you, truly knows you and likes you anyway, by the way, uh, is a great, is a great gift. You know, I had somebody tease me, not too terribly long ago. And they said, yeah, we're, we'll stay friends. Uh, we know too much about each other. We can't, we got to stay friends because, we, you know, if it gets, <laughs> but it, but there's some truth, there's some truth to that. The idea that you can, you can, uh, be, be open and sharing, uh, and that closeness, you know, some people are fearful because it's going to be too consuming of time or something. Mm. But, you know, the true close friends uh, are, are concerned. They have a, a reverence for uh, for the, the time. They don't, uh, you know, I think it was Benjamin Franklin that said that, you know, a, a visitor uh, a visitor to you uh, is, is like, what did he say, uh, 
rotten fish or something begins to stink after three three days or something. But true, true <laughs> yeah. friends do not do not uh, invade people's privacy. You know, it's not about amount of time. It's uh, it's amount. It's about these traits that that we're, that we're, we're talking about. Uh, you know, it's important. It's so important. You know, we talked about listening earlier, but, you know, but you know, there's so many, there are, there are other traits that you just don't see in American masculinity today that you do see in places like uh, the book of Galatians, where it talks mm. about the, the fruit of the spirit. And, but, you know, uh, the, the, the idea of uh, getting involved with, you know, you know, you don't go out and seek friendship. Uh, just, I'm going to go make friends. You know, you, you, you become like I'm gonna go other get a person. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, the good things in life come to you as byproducts, it seems to me. You know, you don't go out mm-hmm. and seek happiness either. But if you go out and you engage other people and you're, you're contributing, you become uh, value added in some way in the lives of other people, uh, it, it, it brings as a byproduct some of these, some of these good, good, uh, uh, good things, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, I think that's that that's uh what it's about and uh, I've, I've tried to share some of that and 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 who's got your back by the way that, that, that's a the, the title seems self-serving in a way who's got your back but the answer is it's uh who's got your back is the who who you're concerned about who you're engaged in and who you have some responsibility with that's who's got your back you know it's mm-hmm. a reciprocal thing that's one of the ingredients of uh a friendship, I think, is it's reciprocal. It's not mm. just all one-sided. You know, we've all had relationships that we we value people. Maybe it's a professor, maybe it's a pastor, maybe it's a parent, where it's all one's pretty much one-sided, and uh, they're giving to us, and we value that and we benefit from it. Mm. But the real close relationships tend to be reciprocal, and uh, that's that's when uh, needs as well as sharing comes from both sides, from both parties. You know, and that's that's. Uh, that's not all. Not all. No, not always the case. Yeah. The thing that really surprised me is I did. I didn't find this to be true in the in, in the church in the faith uh, congregations, even in men's men's Bible studies that uh, uh, that we we tend to be uh, belong to, that uh, we tend to uh, uh, buy into the culture. We we uh, maybe if uh, for discussion purposes, I be it, it's interesting to talk about whether or not. One of the concerns of of the church today is that uh, are we indistinguishable in any way from the larger culture, or do we just fit in like everything else? You know, and uh, I I fear with with the area of relationships, especially in, in large churches, it's easy just simply to be to be a bar, bystander uh, to, to to sit and observe and let some of the professionals. Uh, do all the activities, and I, I don't know if that's a, a, a model model in scripture. But we, you know, we've got to uh, we, we've got to be if we're going to function well in a church, or frankly, in any in any relationship, uh, any you know, civic, for example, or school, but church too. If if you know, so, some people ask me, well, why 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 is friendship important? And we've talked about some of the reasons, but I think that if if you once you have a close friend, you feel like you belong. You feel like that there's reason for you to be there, and uh, you 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 participate more. You give more. You do more. Uh, many wives have told me, I, I think it is so important. My husband could get uh, a friendship, then because it takes some of the emotional responsibility away from me. I have mm. to. I'm his total friendship base. 
and wouldn't it be cool if he if he would uh, uh, re relate to some other guys? And uh, that was a surprise to me. I thought that you know maybe maybe friendship might be considered an invasion of the family, but it mm. it's supportive of the family. In fact, many wives will share that they try to create uh, opportunities for their husbands to to be more involved, to volunteer, to uh, you know, hey Joe, did you call that? Did you did, did you call? Uh, uh, Bill and uh, or did you write a letter? I mean, they, you put encouragements out there uh, so that they they do things together that they've been more likely to mm -hmm. to uh, yeah. bond together. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I guess one question that comes to mind as I'm hearing you talk about this, you know, if if that's the case, and I mean, I, I hear the weightiness of what you're saying just on the importance of of friendship. You know, the question that comes to my mind is, what then does healthy male friendship? look like right maybe i mean could you share maybe an anecdote or a biblical example that comes to mind you know you mentioned earlier certain traits that individuals should demonstrate right and openness to dependence and affection and gentleness um, and these are attributes that are not you know stereotypically masculine attributes but they're things that you know men and really all people can can benefit from uh as they you know make us more uh approachable or friendly or relatable in all kinds of different ways um you know one trait that you talked about you know a healthy male friendship looks like is reciprocity, right? It's a re reciprocal. It could be a little bit more har harder to maintain if it's all one-sided. What are some other attributes that you look at that and you're just like, man, that's a good friendship. And in particular, like how should a, how should Christian friendship among men look different mm -hmm. than that of the world as you were describing earlier? Yeah. Uh, excellent question. And, and I, and we could review some traits, which we can do, but I would share to jump ahead a bit you know, what that, what's a typical friendship look like, it's going to vary dramatically. Mm. Uh, the, the, it, it, because the people who you're friends with are going to be different. You're going to adapt. You're going to be respectful. And uh, you may be with somebody who's uh, uh, highly educated, uh, uh, somebody who's not so highly educated. You may live somebody who's rural compared to somebody who's urban. Uh, well, you know, there are all different kinds of, of course, uh, you know, so, uh, different, uh, different illustrations of how friendships come together. But they do tend to have similar uh, character, character traits. You know, we, you, met, you uh, mentioned a couple here a moment ago. But they all seem to also have things like covenant. You know, David and Jonathan in the Bible, mm. for example, they, they agreed to... Uh, to have a relationship in our culture friendship is it's not like marriage or some other legal legal thing you know you do it and it's you know, there's not much uh, symbolism or tokenism or anything we don't exchange gifts or whatever but do we do we shake hands and look in your eye and convey that uh, this is serious and i, and I that i'm going to be the responsible in this relationship you know, also in the bible ruth and naomi for example you know by the way we use we use that illustration where uh, where the these two women uh, give it gives the impression and it's quoted in in uh, wedding ceremonies but it's really about friendship it's the idea that 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 uh, uh, th this relationship's important there's going to be a give and take in it and i call it a covenant and uh uh, other things that grow out of covenant is a sense of loyalty, a sense of faithfulness. If your friend's in trouble, you, you, you're there. Sometimes you may be giving 70% of it, and, and uh, you're, you're giving more than 50-50-50. Uh, than um, I, I think there's a generosity in, in friendship. You're, it's serious to you. Uh, and you're, you, you, uh, you know, somebody once said, uh, every dog 
uh, deserves one bite. You know, sometimes we we pass judgment on people and we dismiss them immediately. We don't give them a chance to even form a, a friendship. I, I, I'm convinced that we, uh, we we form judgments about other people in the first two or three minutes that we meet them, and we're, we're hardly willing to uh, to back away from our, our initial assessment. But friends don't do that. Friends friends give and take. They they uh, and they stay away from extremes sometimes. You know, we're living in a rather a polarized era right now, at least politically. Well, Christians and other friends can be can be on different uh, different points of that spectrum and have whole different points of view. Well, how do you how do you process that? Well, you do it with respect, which is uh, you know, and, you know, there's an inherent worth, the dignity in in the, in the person who you're considering a, a friend, and uh, uh, you, you know, you 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 tolerate the differences. You, I, I think you stay away from. Uh, Topics to some degree, unless you have some ground rules. That, uh, but 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 if you're going to have a close friendship, uh, you don't you you don't hide from tough topics, and uh, so, so therefore things like candor. You know you don't see candor in acquaintanceships or buddyships very much. Candor is you know I speak the truth to you in love, and you know that's you know you'll find that in proverbs and some other places. But if you're screwing up, I'm going to. I'm going to tell you about it. A friend, a friend will say, but you do it with concern, and you might, you might do it with uh, fear and trembling to some degree. But candor, you know, the the uh, uh, you know what, what I think the scripture says something about the uh, the, the wounds of a friend. You know, mm-hmm. well, what do you mean wounds? Well, maybe maybe uh, you need to be uh, you need to be told that you've got a problem here, and nobody else is telling you that. Uh, you know, so there's. Uh, and I, and I think there's a there's a, an acceptance that you see no matter what that friendship looks like. You know, I I, I, I was at a meeting the other the other day and there were there was a whole bunch of guys that had uh, leather jackets on and they had uh, biblical sayings on them and there were beards and all of this. And there are some contexts where you know some people would say, well, what's that about? You know, but real, real friends really have uh, they they expand the parameters as to who can be a friend. And as you know, it's these characteristics that are there, these biblical characteristics. Mm-hmm. It's not so much about uh, who you are, where you were raised, what your education was, or what's your job title. You know, we meet people today and we say, you know, well, what do you do? What's your name or what do you do? And maybe that's not the way to start a relationship. Uh, yeah. Maybe the way to start is, uh, who do you worship? No, yeah. no, but but it's interesting because when when you say the, when you say all that, um, I completely think and agree uh, that you know I can have a I can have a closer relationship with a believer, who a Christian, a, a true a true Christian uh, believer from another culture, than even some of my you know college roommates that are not believers you know that's kind of a service level relationship whatever you know we can kind of we can get along that's nice but i feel that deeper connection with uh with somebody else from other culture because of the because of we're all in christ and those um those uh qualities that you mentioned the loyalty the faithfulness the generosity the respect You know, you know, Eric. Can I yeah. say I really appreciate you mentioning that I, the, the yeah. spiritual focus that the idea that I'm uh, that that I'm able to talk about Christ and the Bible with with that particular individual is so important, or even pray with with uh, mm-hmm. friends uh, and the activities that you share 
may uh, there may be some activities you don't want to do, uh, and that and your friend would agree. And there may be some you want to do that uh, uh, some other people may not want to participate. So the spiritual focus is there. I think it, it's it's worth discussing is whether or not you can have a real closeness with another individual mm. that's perhaps not a believer. I mean, can can you be close to somebody? I used to think. Uh, no, it had, you had to have a, sp- a spiritual focus, but I think there may be uh, uh, there may be illustrations where you're close to somebody. I've got a friend who's borders on being an atheist. He's clearly an agnostic, mm-hmm. and I think we've demonstrated somewhat of a, a respect for each other's perspective. And I, I tell him that he he tells me about that uh, the world, you know, when he dies, he becomes fertilizer and all of this, and that's the end of it. Uh, and we go back and forth, and I, I, sh- I share with him, I say, yeah, well, your, your position takes a lot more faith to, to commit to than what, what my commitment to, to Christ and, and the Scripture. And he'll sit, and I can tell he's really listening to me, hmm. and I try to really listen to him. And I find that rather interesting, and I, no, I, I'm good. willing to say that we're friends, and I think there's a there's a respect there, even though we don't have that same spiritual focus that you're, huh. you're referring to, and usually is, is, is essential. Yeah, yeah. no, that, that that makes a lot of sense. One of the things that comes to my mind, just as a mark of health, in terms of like a friendship between somebody who's a believer, somebody not not a believer, is that is precisely what you were talking about, right? Is that you don't fear to pursue the difficult conversations, right? There's not like you don't fear to share the gospel with that person. You're pursuing them in Christ, and you know, look, if I if I really am a friend to you, I would tell you that there is a heaven to be gained and a hell to be feared and shunned. And you know, if you can to to be able to have that kind of friendship where you can survive that kind of conversation, even in the midst of disagreement, and yet continue to pursue that person in love is, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think that can be really, really rich and a, and a blessing to both to both mm-hmm. parties. Uh, just two, yeah. two, passages that, yeah, two passages that come to mind from what you were citing earlier. Uh, Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend. You mentioned earlier David and Jonathan's friendship. That's in First uh, Samuel 18, verse 4 says, And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him, so that Saul sent him all over, uh, sent him over the men of war, uh, and that it was good in the sight of all the people and all the sight of Saul's servants. So there yeah, is this that's notion of... And- like and Dylan, you, you're, you're well aware of the military uh, aspect of, of that. And I, I think of that relationship uh, of, of such a different you know, Jonathan and David. They could, you couldn't find two, two more different kinds of people, but yet they're, <laughs> they were willing to form a, a, a close covenant together that uh, stood the test of time. So that's like that theme, though, like the theme of covenant as it ties to friendship is really interesting to me because I think, you know, we're all aware that like, you know, the theme of covenant in Scripture is a very weighty subject. And there's there's a lot that kind of is behind that. But as it's applied to friendship, I don't know that like that's been a theme that we've really that I've come across uh, frequently explored. Uh, You know, I know, you know, David doesn't in, um, you know, who's got your back. It is it is a theme worth exploring. But, you know, I just don't hear that side of things taken up. It's like, you know, okay, if we're going to have a friendship and this comes back to the technology thing, and at least in my mind, it's like, you know, we're kind of very cavalier about, you know, what it means to be friends with someone, you, you know, and and. What's missing from that is the magnitude and the gravity of some kind of commitment to the other person, even even mm-hmm. at the cost of one's own 
you know, uh, could be one's own well-being, one's own, uh, you know, finances, one's own whatever. Yeah. It says, you know, brother, I will give you the robe off my back, right? Yeah. As, yeah. as Jonathan and, and David. That's yeah. just well, wild. You know, I, if I may, real quick, uh, I was thinking about Facebook. I was thinking about that. If you guys think about it, Facebook, I mean, it's very service level and fra- and like very empty, but it, it's got, a, it's almost got a covenant aspect to it. Not in a good way though, because like you send a friend request. Like ad friend. Yeah, you send, right. You yes, send yes. a request <laughs> and then the person receives it and they're like, hmm. I agree to be your do friend. Do I agree? But see, the thing is yeah. that there's low cost exactly. because on Facebook, it's like, well, I don't care. I'll add another friend. It doesn't really matter to me. I don't have to really invest any kind of time, mm-hmm. money, energy in this person. I'm just going to sit yes because it adds a numbers to my belt of friends list. But it's kind of weird how there's a covenant aspect to it, like a like an exchange, yeah. like, will you be my friend? Yes, I will, but it's meaningless. And here's how you know that, like, here's how you know that there's that covenantal aspect, even in that, is like, if some, if you, if you agree, right, somebody reaches out, sends you a friend request, yeah. you accept it. And then that person, let's say a month later, defriends you or yeah. unfriends you, or you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I've seen some people get really upset about that. And I'm just like, like, in mm-hmm. my mind, I'm hardly ever oh, on social true. media. Like, upset, yeah. I'm like, I'm hardly ever on social media. You know, I, I, I'm on Twitter every now and then, but that, that's, that's about the extent of it. You know, I, I have a Facebook profile. You know, my, usually my wife is, is the one who's like monitoring and, and active on social media generally. And so, like, she, you know, but people get like my mom too. She was just telling me, you know, oh, so and so like defriended me the other day on Facebook. <laughs> I can't believe that happened. <laughs> How dare they? How dare they? I'm like, it's just face. Like, it's just, it doesn't mean anything, but no, like some people are legit upset about that, which is really interesting to me. But anyway, mm-hmm. all I, we're getting on a rabbit hole, but I think, you know, one of the things that is interesting in all of this conversation is, you know, on the one hand, we want friendship that is meaningful and, and impactful, someone that we can rely on, you know, to your point, uh, David earlier, I think you were talking about Gary Cooper could count on any men. He had to do it all. You know, he had to do it all on his own. And we we want people that we can count on. But on the other hand, do we want it to be cheap? And do we want it to be like uncostly to us to like mm-hmm. lean into another person? Yeah. You know, when you when you mentioned something earlier, I just looked up in uh, Galatians. It's in chapter six, but but Paul says, "Bear one another's burdens." Mm-hmm. And yes. you know, there's a responsibility implied. Uh, a number of things and uh, that's something that we shy away from and uh but but to have friendship that's got to be there you know and you know you talk about gary cooper again I, i'm reminded of a of, of one of the relatives of, of teddy roosevelt one of our most respected uh, presidents he he uh, is alleged to have wanted to be the bride at every wedding and the corpse at every funeral <laughs> I thought that was an interesting illustration, the idea, of, and we think of highly of somebody like that, And uh, but how many friends did he have, you know, mm-hmm. and you look in the lives of some of, even of our popular leaders, mm-hmm. uh, I remember reading about things, people like Ronald Reagan and the, uh, Jimmy Carter and some others, very few friends, very few mm-hmm. friends, people who, you know, they might respect you, but there wasn't that closeness. It was more a companionship or buddyship or whatever, but not that, uh, not that give and take. You know, uh, you know, we talk about a number of these characteristics. The uh, I, I don't know if we've touched upon it or not, but uh, the idea of uh, compromise, the idea of self-disclosure. I think we hinted at self-disclosure a little bit, but if you're really close to somebody, 
you're you you're not hiding much, you know, mm. and you're willing to if you got a problem, you can bounce it off somebody, especially if you've got that spiritual focus that uh, mm-hmm. Eric was talking about a, 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 a little while ago, because you can value that person's uh, and, and trust uh, his uh, his input. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think of my own life and this book, this book, Who's Got Your Back? was really, It's seriously hard for me to write because I've got some of these same problems myself. You know, I, I, I hide, you know, I, I don't demonstrate uh, uh, self-disclosure very well. I'm a stingy receiver. I think that it's, you know, wrong to be, you know, uh, taking stuff from people or asking for help or whatever, even in a, in a, in a positive context. Mm-hmm. And then the idea of compromise. I, I mentioned compromise. I saw that listed by by many people on when we talked about uh, these positive traits. And that uh, you know we're not we're not real hot at compromising. You know we're, we uh, we we are what we are. And uh, you know if I'm right wing, I'm right wing. If I'm left wing, I'm left wing. And uh, you know it, it, the 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 idea of uh, give and take in a relationship. Is, but I'll tell you this: out of, you look at all these traits and the handful of people who uh, have close friends tell you there is no greater joy and no greater. And it's not just for yourself. It's it's it makes you a different type of person. Women, uh, wives in particular, tell me they see when their, their husbands have friends, they're out there volunteering, they're out there do, doing things at at a church in particular. They're in, they're better listeners. They're paying more attention to the kids. They're doing they're working with the. Uh, uh, homework, they're, you know, they come, you know, it's, it's not about come home and turn on the TV. It's come home and engage and, and, and you're talking to your family, you know, it's doing things together. It's not that traditional, traditional uh, thing where the, you know, the masculinity and the father does this, and the, you know, it's, it's yeah. just a, a much more positive thing. Women will report over and over and over again. Yeah. So what would you say then? Because like, I'll, I'll be honest, brother, like I, I know a lot of men who are kind of float in this zone of, you know, friendship being very, very optional. And it's well, not really something. Men. Well, it could be somebody who's introverted, you know, even somebody who's like, just I don't really care about having friendships with other men. You know, you one of the chapters in your book is the high cost of going it alone. I mean, what is that cost? Right. Like if I mean, you you talked about so many other things, which is what's so interesting mm-hmm. to me is like all these unseen costs yeah. that come when we don't have friendships where a lot of that burden can uh, be yeah. placed on one's wife or create stress in the home you know some of the examples that you were sharing yeah. earlier like mm-hmm. if you have a listener out there who's you know a, a maybe a faithful brother in the lord you know but is kind of still very much in the mindset that says you know i don't need i, I need the lord and i need my family and that's it right i don't really need friendships i mean how how could you encourage yeah. how would you encourage such a listener yeah you know the, the the I don't often start start with this because it seems negative in some ways. But you know that that what you're saying is what happens when you don't have friends. Men men tend to be unhealthy, despite the macho mentality, uh, the strength mentality. Uh, men tend to die several years sooner, and it's not the the Y chromosome that's that, that's pulling pulling this off. They, you know, you're looking at seven, eight years uh, difference. They, they tend to fill our prisons. Uh, they, uh, it, it, you know, I talked about running of the bulls a little while ago. They, they tend to be the, uh, uh, the drunk driving 
fatalities on the road tend They're to be poor. almost all males. You can go on and on yeah. and on. Men do not live life well alone. And it's costly. That And that's not the thing in and of itself that, you know, that, that we've hinted at in our talk here together, that that's not what should motivate you. You know, you should be concerned about other people and and uh, but, but we just it doesn't work. Uh, the the uh, the Lone Ranger approach to life uh, it, it's just not non functional. Uh, we just uh, we 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 go go into a uh, a, a ball and uh, dry up, and it, uh, it it's not fun. And we're not fun to be around. Women, women have told me over. I think I talk about it in the book that women quotes from some ladies who say, you know, that guy, he's not fun. This is not, this is not a good uh, relationship because he's just stuck on himself and he's stuck doing stuff at work and whatever. And there's no engagement uh, with real life. There's no real connection with other, with other people, not just a lack of friendship. He's, he's not, he, he doesn't even know his kids. Uh, he's not connected well to the, to the children in his life. Yeah. But uh, it, you know, so it's it. I don't know if that answers it, and it's kind of a negative thing in a way. But guys, uh, uh, there was a book written by an anthropologist a hundred years ago. It was about about it was called the natural superiority of women, and they demonstrated about how you know we want to think of guys being able to lift weights and all, but women are far more capable of enduring. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna uh, go across the desert. Uh, Without water, a woman will more likely go further than a go further than a man. You know, we have different. You know, I, I just well, depends the task, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it, if you want to take a bunker, you got to use a. Yeah, that, that's right. But it's not. It's not about masculine behavior or, or feminine behavior. So yeah, much no, of no, it no. Is positive it's, it's about, and negative. He's right. It's biblical or unbiblical behavior in yeah. general. Yeah, I completely see that, and I kind of wonder, as far as like some of our young people, the temptations of playing video games. Because I, you know, I, I don't want to get too far into that, but like I grew up playing so many that I, I had a serious video gaming addiction when I was younger. And and generally speaking, uh, boys and, and young men are way more prone to falling into like I'm just gonna play video games. And that's my relationships. That's my connection. That's my adventure. That's my mission. And instead of engaging in the world around them, and it really is, it, it is a, a difficult thing amongst young men. I mean, pornography yeah. is one of it, but another big one is just the the call, the allure of entertainment and video games, which gives you nothing but uh, yeah. surface level yeah. empty relationships. Yeah. You know. Uh, Eric and Dylan, I, I was associated uh, here in Chicago uh, with, uh, I was doing an, an interim position. We, we had problems with uh, concern about uh, uh, school violence by uh, students. We we're concerned, as many, many schools are, and they were talking about hiring police and, and all this. And it was all about, it, it was all about males, by the way, uh, male students. But my, my approach at the time was, you know, I, I, you know I'm not an expert on this, but it just seems to me that we need to pay more attention, not to equipping people in uniforms and, and having them in our hallways. What we need to do is look for, look for kids who are alone, look for kids who are being bullied, look for kids who uh, just simply don't fit, look for kids who don't have a place to sit at uh, lunch, the lunch table. And I think you, if you track down after a tragic event and then back up, I think you'll see 
that it's kids who just didn't fit very well, that didn't have friends, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's about relationships and, no, and those problems that may be in evidence even in the, in the, uh, in the school years uh, don't go away. They, 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 they go into adulthood. They go into the workplace. And, That's and, true. Uh, yeah. In fact, sometimes the workplace can be a bad, bad place as well when it comes to anger and so on. But it's 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 about relationships, and it, 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 again, it, to, to me, in a sense, it, it, the greatest indicator of of your of your emotional health your, and your spiritual health is how how well we're connected and how many friends that we have. Yeah, I I, I yeah, that's very that's very helpful and, and a good good conversation. Our our time is uh, slipping us by so much, though we're approaching that that time. But I mean, did you have any final thoughts, Dylan, uh, before I turn it over uh, for for David? Can you give... Yeah. So, I mean, one, one other question that um, had come to my mind just, and this was more in the midst of our conversation, uh, a couple of times in, you know, during our talk today, you've, you've used the phrase toxic masculinity, which of course is a bit of a, is a bit of a loaded phrase. So I, I guess, you know, one thing that might be helpful just for broader context, you know, what does that mean to you as kind of the first question? And then the second question is, let's assume that there is, is I think when you say that term, I think a lot of the traits that you talk about in your book, um, you know, about just in terms of things that men re- wrestle with the the inability to fellowship and a, our aversion to showing emotions. But you know, if you could kind of put some put some flesh on that phrase. But then the second part of that of the question is, you know, okay, let's assume that there is this thing that you know we can we can call for now like toxic masculinity. Um, assuming that's a problem, that's something to address. You know, what are some practical tactical ways that men who are listening to this can begin? pursuing friendships right so like there's going to be definitely a whole bunch there's going to be male listeners out there who are listening to this be like hey you know what i totally hear you on my inability to show emotion i hear you that that's something i want to work on um i'm ready to start uh where should they begin and you know what are some good maybe tips or places or ways that i can start pursuing some of these friendships that shed some of these um you know some of these things that could otherwise hold a man back well Thank you. I, I appreciate the opportunity to just to share from my heart a little bit. I, you know, back to the, the book of Galatians, the scripture talks about how we're one in Christ and how that implies fellowship. And I think much of the message that we get from our culture that we buy into in in the sense of masculinity is that we're, we're, it's not about fellowship. It's not about being one in anything. It's about my own journey, my own. It's not about teamwork. It's about I'm going to be successful. I'm going to uh, concentrate on material, material things. Um, I'm not going to show emotion. I'm going to be strong. And uh, I'm going to be independent uh, uh, along the way. And I, I just don't think that uh, that, that fits and it's, it's been demonstrated that uh, the the failure, especially in the lives of men, and even some of the research related to women who have become are given uh, a lot more equity in the workplace and in the culture, uh, they're developing some of the same uh, uh, same negative health issues as that uh, men have had related to how they how they how they function. But I just think that the, that that to, to to look closely. At what Scripture has to say, and and, and my experience in writing, who's got your back? Is that the Bible is, is illustration after illustration of practical ways of how of how to uh, li- live your life, 
and uh, that, that's that's what what we what we have to, we have to do. We have to look, we have to look at scripture, and I think you you ask about well how do you how do you get started with this? You know, there's no there's no magic formulas here. There, you know, m- many of us are in, introverted to some degree, and I, I'm convinced. You know, I, I, if you observe the, the women in our lives, I think we'd be surprised on how much we can learn from them. Uh, I, I see women, for example. That if you go into a room and there's a number of strangers, we were at a we were at a, 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 a memorial service for a, a friend of my wife's yesterday, and we, we were in a room with probably over a hundred people, none of whom we knew. Well, how do you respond when you go into a strange environment like that? Do you are you a host or are you a guest? And I think sometimes if we have the mentality that you know, is there somebody here that that uh, that's standing alone in a corner. Can I? Is there somebody I can talk to? Is there somebody that I can engage in conversation? Or do I stand there and I think, well, you know, here I am. Uh, come, come and see me. You know. <laughs> and I, so I like that metaphor. I don't know. It's a metaphor, but the, the concept of uh, host or guest. And you know, how, how do I approach life? You know, how do I approach the the, the illustrations that are the, the examples of my daily my daily activity? And I think hmm. also we can, no matter what our our station is. We can look for ways to add value. We can look for ways to volunteer. It can be simple. I mean, it can, and you know, I, I used to talk about schools a little while ago. I, a Christian was came to me and was upset about something, and I, I encouraged him. I said, "Well, can we get you involved before there's a problem? When we can develop something positive, maybe we can have you reading to children in third grade. You know, we need we need some people to read to kids, and that person's been reading for some time." The kids and they feel more they're thrilled about it now maybe that may not be the uh, greatest illustration but it, but it is one you know, we need to look for ways that we can fit into the lives of other people and I think volunteering can be a, a very a very positive thing we need to be active another thing and this is more generally I suppose but we need to be active listeners I don't think we'd listen very well mm-hmm. and you know you move you move to 20 feet in any direction and you're a total stranger. And I think we've got to pay attention to who's around us. And, uh, mm. you know, just a, this act, just a, a smile. It's amazing how uh, just a, a greeting, uh, you know, we, we convey to people uh, how we feel uh, very, very quickly. And you don't have to befriend everybody, but you can, with that acquaintanceship that you can, Maybe it's the mailman. Maybe it's the clerk at the grocery store. Maybe it's the, the individual at the pharmacy. Maybe it's the the uh, the per- person at at, at church. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, a, f- a friend of mine would say, you know, we have this thing at church where uh, you're supposed to go at the end of the service uh, and uh, go over into this corner and look like you're new, and a, an official greeter will come and talk to you and, and tell you about the church. And my friend said, well, why don't we just all become unofficial greeters and uh, greet everybody who comes in and let's make this more informal. And I've always thought that was kind of an interesting thing. We need to become informal in so many different ways and greet people and love people. And uh, and sometimes that doesn't have to take a lot of time. It can be a, uh, it it can be uh, 10 seconds greeting the mailman, you know, I mean, uh, it's, you know, but we've got to be a sort of, the listeners. So there's no magic to this. It's observing the women in our lives. It's uh, picking up some of these biblical principles uh, 
It's reading David's book, Who's Got Your Back, if you will. <laughs> but, uh, and and uh, by the way, I've got a, a, a modest website called formingconnections.com that gives it gives some articles I've written about different subjects about uh, you know we should pick up a hitchhiker on the road what's that like and you know different things along the way <laughs> these days <laughs> you know different yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know if that answers a question but no it's, I think it's, so I, but I, I Dylan was, has one a, more I think to ask no it, it does it does well so as as you were talking just another question came up and actually it and I've been wrestling with like how exactly to to phrase this question well because this was something that had come up too when I was reading the book. Um, so bear with me as I try to articulate the question, but it's something like this. Um, in When we're talking about friendship and when I hear you talk about friendship and kind of pointing to, you know, various uh, examples, some of them biblical, some of them, you know, just kind of pointing to the women are in our lives and how it's kind of easy for them. Um, could you clarify, you know, is when you talk about friendship, are you envisioning friendship as as a an almost gender neutral concept that men and women alike pursue uh, friendship, like friendship among men, friendship among women in the ideal would look the same. So there, there wouldn't be variance uh, because it, it, it sounds like there's this thing called friendship that everyone's trying to pursue. And, and like the tact that you, you're taking in your book, at least to me, seemed to be there's this thing called friendship. And here's all the things that are are preventing men uniquely from getting there okay so that's kind of it, it, it there's this one notion of friendship that it's it, it you know in the it has an ideal versus another notion of friendship which is okay friendship among men would look distinct from friendship among women in the ideal right so there's male friendship and then there's female friendship and the two have distinct characteristics and distinct attributes um and, you know, you, you do touch on this a little bit in the book where you kind of raise the question in a, in a tantalizing way. It's like, you know, what does it look like, you know, to be friends with someone of the opposite uh, gender uh, in the opposite sex? So could you speak to that in, you know, 25 words or less? I know it's a big question. Wow. Big, yeah. <laughs> but, but like, but how are you perceiving? <laughs> does the question make sense? Are you thinking of friendship as an ideal that would be consistent across both men and women? Or are there things that are unique about friendships in Christ between men yeah. that sets yeah. it apart from friendship among uh, women who are in Christ? Mm -hmm. Very generally, I think the character traits and the biblical traits are common, but they may be acted out differently. Women are more more likely to hold hands, uh, to demonstrate uh, their affection uh, physically than men are. I, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I was, I was raised that, uh, uh, you know, touching is more of a sexual kind of thing, I guess. Well, you know, maybe, maybe that's not correct, but I, I think there are, there may be some subtle differences. Women may be more likely to show emotion. I don't know if you know, men have to show emotion the exact same way, but they need to have the, the things that demonstrate those emotions. So I, but I think overall, uh, while there's not a, uh, a, 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 a gender, uh, what'd you call it? Gender the distinction or something that, uh, I, I think basically these characteristics are similar and can be demonstrated in a similar fashion, independent of gender. Now, but, 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 I, but there's some subtle differences in the way women, women behave and the way men behave, at least in, in our culture. By the way, you're going to different cultures. I've had the opportunity to consult around the world. And wow, it's, it's different. You go into different places and men and women are very different in different, different cultures. So some of this stuff isn't biological as we'd like to think it is. It's, it's social and, and cultural. Uh, the uh, 
if we had time, I, we'd talk something about that. But I, 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 I struggle with your question. It's an interesting one. I, where I thought you were going to go with that is, can men and women be friends? And uh, th- th- that's a whole... Uh, well, that's a whole arena. other can well, of worms yeah. to talk about. Well, but yeah. to your point, yeah. David, I mean, I, I think that's really insightful because, you know, Paul says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Right. Yeah. So, so clearly the notion of greeting, even among, you know, friends or colleagues is is it manifests itself different in in different cultures. So part of that is is cultural. And I, I guess I'm, I'm still trying to, you know, one question that, you know, maybe this could be for uh, who's got your back too. Yeah. Right? Who's, like, got your I mean, sec- who's got your other back? Who's got your go. other back? Yeah. It's <laughs> like a, t- a t- topic to explore. But no, I mean, since uh, I, and I know we're getting low on time, we are. Uh, but Eric is Eric is uh, graciously indulging no. me here. <laughs> but like maybe speak to that just a little bit as, as we wrap up, you know, just about friendships between members of the opposite sex. You know, is it helpful, uh, less than helpful, something to be pursued, something to be, just cautious. be cautious about? Yeah. yeah well, so, yeah. What, yeah. what, are your, what are your thoughts on that? I, I like that word cautious. I think you better. I think it. It. it, it you want to make sure that the other people around you are not uh, are not unduly concerned uh, about it and made to feel in, that uh, you know suspicious or whatever. And I, I think some of the research shows that as we've uh, uh, women have become more uh, equal in the workplace today, that these relationships are more legitimate and they're not dominated by one power person, which is often the male, it's becoming more of an equitable thing. But I think it's still rare. It's hard enough in in some ways to have something resembling a a companionship between couples. That's that's another issue that's out there. Can you, but to have a man and a woman in uh, demonstrating the biblical characteristics of friendship in our culture, I would say is rare. I would not go so far, notwithstanding all the research I've done on this. I think it's possible. I think where it is successful, it's oftentimes there's a, there's some interesting anomalies. I I one of the jobs that I went to once, I I rented a I rented a room from a lady who was probably 30 years older than I am. And it was, she was in a rural community and I was commuting into the city and all of that. And we become very good friends. And when my wife sold our house and moved to town, uh, uh, my wife joined in this uh, friendship that I, that I'd formed, but that was very rare. And she was very different and she was much older than me and so on. And I, I, I just, I, I think that you've got to be, cautious. You've got to be concerned about the love of your life. I've always, you know, sometimes, you know, I talk to men about marriage, for example, different topic than uh, friendship. And they say, well, how do I, how do I do this? How do I do that? And my response is often in a very simple way. Okay. What, how would you, how would you act if your wife was right here next to us? Hmm. And that's it. That's all. And you know how, you know, how you get a, mm-hmm. how do you behave? It's uh, behave as if it's in the daylight, not in the dark. Yes. Yeah. No, that's, that's helpful. And I I really appreciate that, David. And um, I appreciate all the topics that we've hit on. We have hit on a lot. And, uh, you know, if, you know, we have a, a sequel to the book or an opportunity to have you on to flesh out some more, uh, uh, you know, these topics, that would be awesome. Um, but I appreciate you coming on today and, and, and sharing, uh, with us about your thoughts regarding uh, male friendship, and so uh, well, I, I again, appreciate that. I yeah. appreciate that very much. Uh, Crosslink is the publisher, and uh, there are different ways of getting uh, who's got your back. And uh, there's a chance of uh, sending me an email. I'd love to know what people think or any questions they have. It would be fun to respond. 
Yeah, what would you want people to contact you at, to reach out to you? Well, yeah, uh, formingconnections.com uh-huh. is my modest website. Okay. And uh, there's a, a contact form in there. My, my uh, email, there's an sure. email also, sds, like Smith, David Smith, 894 at, yahoo, at yahoo.com is another way. Okay. All right. Well, again, I really appreciate that, and uh, uh, thank you again for your time, and uh, I pray you have a, a blessed day. And uh, for all you listening out there, uh, this has been Two Guys in a Bible. We, uh, we hope that you enjoyed this, uh, this episode. Uh, if you have any questions, of course, you could reach out to David uh, about uh, friendship. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can contact us. Just go to our website, uh, number2guysinabible.org, uh, or email us at twoguysinabible.podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, we look forward to being with you all again next time. And until then, uh, God bless. And Merry Christmas, y'all. And Merry Christmas. <laughs> Take, care, Take care, David. Y'all. Later, David. Thanks Go for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Absolutely, right. bro. Thanks so much. God bless.